Welcome to episode number 206, A Mission to Fulfill. I am your host, Damon Soka. One of my favorite songs this time of year is called A Strange Way to Save the World. It attempts to express what Joseph might have been thinking during the birth of the Savior. The first verse and chorus express something that I wanted to focus on today. This is the song called A Strange Way to Save the World. I'm sure he must have been surprised at where this road had taken him, because never in a million lives would he have dreamed of Bethlehem. And standing at that manger, he saw with his own eyes the message from the angel come to life. And Joseph said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why here? inside this stable filled with hay. Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. Now, I'm not one to second-guess what angels have to say, but this is such a strange way to save the world. When you look at Joseph and his calling as the mortal stepfather of the Savior, you almost have to declare, why him? Why would the Lord cause so many disadvantages and weaknesses to occur in his life? If before this life he had been called as the stepfather of the Savior, we know that he was called before the earth was created, or at least during that process. He was given a mission to perform, and yet the Lord threw significant obstacles in his path that caused serious difficulties for him personally and as a father to the Savior. And why would our Father in Heaven do such a thing? If you're going to give someone a difficult assignment, providing serious weaknesses, disadvantages, and stumbling blocks doesn't make a great deal of sense. The task is already difficult. If the Lord is truly supportive, kind, merciful, and loving, he could certainly have shown it a little differently with Joseph. When you consider the birth of the Savior, the attempts at his life when young, the poverty of Mary and Joseph, and the circumstances surrounding his birth, it doesn't appear that the Father in Heaven is being very supportive. From the world's perspective, this doesn't feel like love, mercy, or kindness. It almost appears as though the Father gave the assignment to Joseph and then left to go work somewhere else in his universe, leaving, of course, Joseph to work it out on his own. Now, that really wasn't the case, but what is interesting is that he did the same thing with Joseph, the son of Jacob, or Joseph of Egypt, Enoch, Moses, Peter, Alma, Joseph Smith, and almost every leader mentioned in the scriptures. Personally, when I'm given an assignment at work or given an assignment or calling at church, I somewhat expect that the person giving the assignment will provide everything needed to accomplish the task and will certainly try to avoid throwing in a few gotchas and stumbling blocks. Yet, the Lord does not appear to work in that particular manner. The Lord appears to prefer weakness, stumbling blocks, and individuals lacking significant skills. It causes me regularly to ask what the individual did ask in the song about Joseph. This seems like a strange way to save the world. Now, we were all formally called to a specific mission before we came into mortality. Exactly when that calling occurred isn't entirely explained in the scriptures, but we do know that it took place. Now, here are a couple of scriptures denoting our calling. The first one it is in Doctrine and Covenants 138, 55, and 56. It says, 
I observed that they were also among the noble and great ones who were chosen in the beginning to be rulers in the church of God. Even before they were born, they, with many others, received their first lessons in the world of spirits and were prepared to come forth in the due time of the Lord to labor in his vineyard for the salvation of the souls of men. And Abraham 3, 22 and 23, it says, Now the Lord had shown unto me, Abraham, the intelligences that were organized before the world was. And among all these were many of the noble and great ones. And God saw these souls, that they were good. And he stood in the midst of them and said, These I will make my rulers. For he stood among those that were spirits, and he saw that they were good. And he said unto me, Abraham, thou art one of them. Thou wast chosen before thou was born. We know that we received a calling pre-mortality. We also know that individuals were called to set up countries and governments, including the United States, for the gospel to start and to flourish. So our calling likely extends beyond what we might refer to as spiritual things. Our calling can and does include what might be termed more temporary endeavors, such as being a teacher, a counselor, a doctor, or whatever your profession and ambition might entail. We also know that we developed talents and were trained before this earth life so that we could complete our callings and missions here upon the earth. We were provided all the tools, training, and experience necessary to complete those missions. Strikingly, the Lord also included our weaknesses in our calling. He not only trained us in all of those tools, information, and knowledge we needed to complete our calling, but he provided all of the conditions under which that calling would occur meaning quite simply that he provided for our weaknesses, the conditions under which we were born, our access to education, and other temporal disadvantages, such as mental health problems. He saw everything that would occur in our lives and provided an environment in which we could accomplish our mission. The Lord has dictated every detail and left nothing out. Now, although we are not likely to see everything as he does, our weaknesses, genetic, traumatic, and otherwise, that have caused our mental health challenges were all foreseen by the Lord. He knew exactly what would occur in our lives to a very high level of detail and degree. And yet, even foreseeing our disadvantages, he called us to very specific missions. He knew, ultimately, that he could make up any difference, no matter our disadvantages and difficulties. Now, you might be thinking, this feels a little, a little bit like destiny, that the Lord has dictated everything in our lives. And yet, we as a church do not believe in destiny because it negates our agency to choose. I admit when the Lord is that highly involved in our lives, it can feel that way. However, our agency is not forfeited because we are able to choose to opt in or opt out of our mission. We have the ability to choose how and when we opt in and how we fully participate in those earthly callings. Once we opt in, we accept the conditions proposed before this earth, including all the weaknesses, limitations, and requirements we were to meet. This is basically what we do when we make our covenants, including baptism, confirmation, the priesthood, and temple covenants, which interestingly include the law of consecration found in the endowment. When we accepted those covenants, we had most certainly accepted our mission that must be performed. Now, when we get married, we actually opt into our companion's mission and to support their mission. When we have children, we opt into their missions. And part of our mission is to help others see and complete their own personal missions. Not only are we called to our specific mission, but we are called to help others with their missions. 
Interestingly enough, missions are rarely given as independent callings. Think of Joseph Smith without Emma, or perhaps Mary without a Joseph. Think of Nephi without a Sam or a Laman and Lemuel. Generally speaking, our missions are nearly in every circumstance woven into the fabric of the lives of those who surround us. Our missions will be very specific as to timing, place, events, weaknesses we experience, relationships, and every detail is planned out by the Lord. Nothing is left out. Naturally, our missions will always include the relationships of those with whom we associate throughout our lives. More importantly, our missions include our family relationships and their missions. A mother and father naturally have the tutoring and training of their children within their mission upon the earth. Our family, in the sense of our brothers and sisters, our parents, our siblings, our spouse, and our children are always in our primary mission. And yet, each of us will have many more responsibilities and callings to accomplish beyond these relationships. So often we speak of missions from more a global perspective, from what we call a high level. And yet, even for those high-level missions to be accomplished, the Lord has to be deep into the details. The Lord must know and direct the details of our lives in order to provide the necessary pathways to complete His work in our callings. The Lord works by small and simple means to bring about the larger purposes in our lives. And this is the reason He must be in the details. You do have a mission to fulfill. You have a calling. I have felt many times that my mental health challenges may have in some way been a hindrance to my earthly mission, that somehow because of my challenges, the Lord has caused another to fill my mission shoes. And yet, I have been told almost as many times as I have doubted that the mental health challenges were already in the plan. They were not an obstacle to my mission, but in some strange way, a part of it. I have also too often perceived my earthly mission in more of a church calling type of vision, that the Lord was not necessarily concerned with my career or other pursuits in my life, such as this podcast and advocacy for various important causes. However, what I have found is that the Lord is very interested in all our pursuits, including our hobbies, our causes, and all our worthy pursuits. The Lord has regularly directed where I should spend my time, even on more what we might call earthly pursuits. Without such inspiration, I would never have pursued working as a high school referee or umpire. I would never have taken up painting and art. I would not likely have pursued playing the piano. While the Lord will most certainly give us latitude with what we desire to pursue, he also wants to be highly involved. And again, this is more than just a simple involvement. The Lord wants to direct and help augment our building of necessary skills and gifts through personal revelation. So your mission includes the entirety of your life, not just your church callings. The Lord wants to reveal those gifts you possess to you and to help you develop them so that you might benefit others. Often, the way that he helps us develop our gifts is actually through our trials and weaknesses. When something is easy for us, we tend not to work at it. When it is a challenge, we will often put more time and effort into learning the basic and even the more advanced skills. When psychologists and science have studied the experts in their fields of pursuit, they have found that natural talent and ability does not predict when we will become or if we become an expert in our field. Actually, they have found a what's called a 10,000-hour rule, meaning individuals who work at their skill and gift are far more likely to become professionals and experts 
rather than a naturally talented and gifted person. So when our pursuits are difficult, we should take it as a sign that the Lord is probably involved. One of the way, actually one of the main ways we can manage our mental health is the pursuit of worthy goals and hobbies. When we have a goal and something we love to pursue in our lives, it can provide great meaning, especially if we share those gifts with others. Now, having said all of those wonderful things about our earthly mission, I do realize how difficult it can be to have worthy pursuits, goals, hobbies, and to have our mental health intervene and cause us to have little to no desire to accomplish them. I know how difficult it is to hold a church calling, always wondering if you will be able to fulfill it. I know the pain of looking at an empty canvas and not really feeling any desire to paint. I know the feeling as a father suffering through an episode of depression or anxiety and really unable to help with my wife or my children with their own concerns. I know those darker moments when you feel helpless and hopeless. And there exists what I call a Lucifer trap within our missions and those worthy pursuits that I will call the guilt corral. When we come to know portions of our earthly missions and we have worthy goals and efforts to pursue, but our mental, mental health gets in the way, we can feel guilty about our weakness and inability to contribute. We can feel terrible about saying no or I can't to a service opportunity because we can't. We can get ourselves into this endless guilt corral where we are consistently feeling that we are letting the Lord down in our lives. We never feel like we are ever enough, ever doing enough, or ever good enough for the Lord. We just keep a consistent level of guilt. Naturally, depression and anxiety only heightens the effect of the guilt. And so we spend our days hoping to be something that we are not. We live in a fantasy world where we want to accomplish great, a great many things and be engaged in life and see ourselves fulfilling our calling and magnifying our efforts in great ways. And we consistently compare ourselves to this fantasy life we create, where we compare what we believe we should be doing to what we really can and are doing. We do not see the obstacles we are overcoming just to accomplish the work we are doing. We never recognize the good work we are doing despite the disadvantages of our illness. We only focus on what we can't do and the guilt. We focus so consistently on what we are not doing that the guilt actually erases every moment of joy we could experience. We don't allow ourselves to say that we have done enough, or perhaps better said, allow the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. We essentially put words in the Lord's mouth saying, you have not done well. You have failed to accomplish so many things that I can't let you rule over anything. And now, I do understand we are taught to lengthen our stride and to go the extra mile. When the prophets and the Lord dictated those commandments, he was referring to those who had the extra capacity, who had the gifts and talents, but had simply not chosen to develop them. Remember the woman at the treasury who cast in just two shekels. The Lord accepted the two shekels, basically stating that the woman had gone the second mile with just two shekels. The Lord could have given any resource to this wonderful woman. He is omnipotent. He could have made her rich like the others, but he didn't. But her sacrifice was accepted as though she had given a significant sum. 
You see, it is not the quantity of the gift or the sacrifice. It is the quality that is important. Quantity takes into account Quality takes into account our effort when compared to our capacity. Our small gifts, when we suffer debilitating illnesses, are counted as though we had given a great quantity of gifts. The Lord is not concerned with the quantity because it is the quality of the gift, our faith, our efforts, compared to our capacity that matter to the Lord. The Lord is, an, is omnipotent and has command of the universe. He can most certainly make up any difference that is caused by our illness. So why did the Lord allow for Joseph to have so many weaknesses and limitations? Because he could make up the difference, and in so doing, bring forth miracles. So often, miracles come because we have limited capacity, but we do our part anyway. No matter how small or insignificant it is, the miracle is the Lord's part, and he enjoys providing those miracles. There exists no miracle counter where you and I will run out of miracles. The Lord desires us to have them, to seek them out, and to find him in the process. The reality of miracles is that this is how the Lord draws us into him. When we realize our weakness and our limitations and we do what we can, the Lord can show us his power and we can find greater faith in him. So the next time your illness drags you through the mire and you are circling the guilt corral, Remember that it is not where the Lord wants you to be. If you are doing your part and doing what you can, he accepts the sacrifice. Now, I do realize that defining doing your part and doing what you can may be problematic and a little vague and probably causes some of our guilt. I realize that the question is always present in our minds, asking if we are doing enough, if we are doing fully our part. The answer to that question is easy. The Lord is merciful. As you work to understand your limitations and fulfill your mission, the Lord will quietly say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That includes even when he might not put in, we might not put in all the effort we should have. Sure, the Lord may gently tell us that we could have done a little more, but he will always be grateful for the sacrifice. However, the Lord will never place us in the guilt corral, chained and running in circles, never really feeling whole and valuable. I am most certain that the woman who gave the shekels did not feel extremely value at the time she gave, valuable at the time she gave, especially considering the great sums that others were giving. But she did know that the Lord cared for her. I have always hoped that the Savior later ministered to her, thanking her for her sacrifice and letting her know just how much he valued her offering and how much he loved her for her service. Celestial life will not be full of individuals who had great capacity and gave much. The reality is that most of those who will obtain celestial life will be those who were disadvantaged, limited, and incapacitated by weakness and illness, and who gave what they could, even though it seemed very meager at the time. Whatever your mission, whatever your calling, seek it out and enjoy doing what you can. The Lord accepts our efforts, and he knows our capacity to give. May the Lord bless you this week and keep you safely in his arms. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can provide the miracle.